The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast. It's a special trade deadline edition, as today is the final day to make outside improvements to your ball club, or outside additions, I should say. As there is no, remember, there is no waiver deadline anymore. So after today, that's it. I can't remember if it's 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock that the actual finish, where where the actual deadline is. I want to say it's 4, but it might be 6 p.m. Regardless, I have a feeling we'll see what Alex Anthopoulos does basically every year where we won't actually know if any moves have been made till about two hours after the deadline because Alex will take it up to the final hour. But a little bit of an interesting deadline. This is one of those that this is for sure a seller's market. And if you're one of those people that's out there looking for big time additions, uh, I'm going to have some bad news to break to you during this episode, but we'll try to go over the uh, the potential trades, at least a few that, that I think are fun to think of, even if I'm not quite certain how realistic they are. And again, it bears repeating. It's basically impossible to know what Alex Anthopoulos is going to do. Whenever you think you have something figured out, you have some sort of idea about, oh, I think he'd probably like something like this. He goes and he adds a player that nobody was talking about. Just like the players that you've seen the Braves at already. You can kind of see what the Braves have been doing because after this deadline, because there is no waiver, there's no waiver trade deadline anymore. You kind of have to go in into the deadlines thinking about not just the players you think that can take your team over the top, but the way you want your rosters lined up for October and hopefully November. And you can see Alex kind of planning this out. Those are the kind of smaller moves that Alex Anthopoulos makes, the the fringe moves, the moves at the margins. So like the trade for Nicky Lopez. Now, first of all, I have no idea how he got anything of any sort of value for Taylor Hearn. Taylor Hearn he bought for cash. So you figure if the Royals really wanted Taylor Hearn, they could have just bought him for cash. Uh, But instead, Alex gets Nicky Lopez. And look, 2021, that was a fluke here for Nicky Lopez. He might be the worst hitter in Major League Baseball. Legitimately, he might be the worst offensive player in Major League Baseball. Um, but, I mean, maybe Seitzer figures something out. I, I would highly, highly, highly doubt it. What Nicky Lopez is, is a perfect backup for this team because, one, starters don't get days off on this team. It's just It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. So your backup is just somebody who's one of those break glass in case of emergency types. And Nicky Lopez... Look, I'm not a big gold glove guy, as evidenced by the fact that like Juan Soto has a gold glove. 
uh, or at least was nominated for a gold glove, and he's one of the worst defenders in Major League Baseball. But Nicky Lopez is a truly elite glove. Uh, he's he's probably a better defensive player overall than Orlando Arcia at shortstop, which is saying a lot because Orlando has been, we, we've all watched it. Orlando's been fantastic defensively. Even if he's had a couple of hiccups here lately, he's been an incredible defensive shortstop this year. And, and to that same end, I'd say Nicky Lopez might be on par with Dansby too slightly better than Dansby defensively. And he does it at every single infield position and he can play the corner. So I would assume he could probably play center field too. That's a great type of guy to have on your club, especially for this particular lineup. Because let's say Orlando goes down. If Orlando and, and you could say it's Aussie insurance as well. I think if that were the case, you'd just call up Vaughn Grissom and have him play second base. But if Orlando were to go down and you needed a shortstop, you didn't really have anybody that could actually play an extended shortstop. Um, Ada Adrianza, maybe, but he's I, I don't even know honestly what's going on with him. He might still be injured. I, I really don't know. Um but Charlie Culberson's not a guy who's, who you want starting at shortstop for any length of time. Nicky Lopez is a guy that, if you get to a point where, God forbid, Orlando is hurt, Nicky's going to be a fantastic defensive shortstop and at least allow you to, if you're not going to score runs from that position, at least prevent them from scoring. That's obviously what Alex looks for in backups. I like that in my backups, too. Uh, different for platoons, but if you're talking about strict backups, I prefer to have a... a defensive backup as opposed to an offensive one for a lineup like the Braves because you could kind of you you could have Lopez in this lineup and I don't think it would really affect much at all in the way of how many runs the Braves score I would suggest you probably end up needing to adjust the lineup a bit because you wouldn't want Eddie and Marcel and Nicky Lopez all three in a row those are your three I won't say weakest hitters but frankly weakest hitters in this lineup that's that's a good news for this lineup for sure um, also saw him kind of rounding out the bullpen. Now, the Taylor Hearn one was obviously just a, I need an optionable lefty to get me through a day or two just to, to get us to the next setup time. Uh, and then Hearn was not good, so you saw that went. That was a flyer for nothing, so no big deal there. Pierce Johnson's a little bit different. I really, really liked the Pierce Johnson move. Now, I know when you looked at the surface stats, they were not good. But it's important to remember with a guy like Pierce Johnson, he's pitching on the moon. And his best pitch, while he does have 95 to 97 in the tank on that fastball, and that's awesome, his best pitch is a curveball. And I don't know how many of you guys have been following along with me for years when I did the Platinum Sombrero podcast, myself and my partner, Doc Herbert. But we had Mike Petriello on, I want to say back in 2019, maybe. It was either 2019 or 2018. Uh, but we were talking specifically about Colorado, and I believe we were talking about Adam Ottavino at the time. Um, but we were talking about the Coors effect on pitchers, not just hitters, and how in Colorado, because the air is so thin and because the elevation is so high, pitches that require friction to break vertically, like a curveball or a changeup, they don't work as well in Colorado. They don't move as much. So if, you're, if your best pitch is a curveball, Colorado is not a very good place for you to have to pitch. It's also why Colorado hitters tend to struggle so much on the road because they start seeing pitches that you just don't see in cores. So you're not used to seeing them, and obviously you're not as good against them. It's why it typically takes, whenever, whenever somebody gets a player that was formerly at Colorado, it usually takes about a year for them to really get things figured out. And that's just you know getting used to um, new videos and getting new, used to, to new plans of attack against you. Uh, but I, I love the addition of Pierce Johnson. I think he has a chance to be 
a really, really good piece in this bullpen. And I know there's a lot of people who are looking at different things for this ball club, who are looking at, at different pieces, and names are flying around all over because, hey, it's the trade deadline, and, and that's what you do. But I do think this is going to be a very quiet deadline. And while I do think we'll see something, I think I do think that we're going to see – I kind of think it'll be a starter, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't I don't know for sure. It's a weird market, and that's one of the perks of being 67 and 37, the way the Braves are right now, even after last night's loss to the Angels. You do have the luxury of of – not having to go crazy, not having to overpay, not having to play a game that you don't want to play. And if you're Alex Anthopoulos, this is kind of where you want to be. Because while I firmly believe that the Braves farm system is much better than people give it credit for, and this is this is something that people fall into this trap a lot. You'll see prospect rankings, whether it's on Pipeline or Fangraphs. And look, I'm a sucker for, for prospect rankings too. I'm a big dynasty player for uh, for fantasy baseball uh, and a lot of the decisions you want to make are based off of prospect reports um, the problem is those guys are not the front offices they're not the scouts they're not the gms and it is 100 percent true that scouts and front offices view players differently than what you see on top prospect lists it's like for example Last year's a good indication of this. You didn't see Von Grissom on top 100s until after the midseason update. Von Grissom was viewed as a top 100 type of player by most scouts and GMs. Most front offices viewed Von Grissom as a as a top 100. Same thing with A.J. Smith-Shaver. Now, Smith-Shaver just jumped into it. He's clearly the, ba- the Braves' best prospect. That's another guy who, until, until you started seeing him have that crazy run up and, and get himself to triple a before getting to the bigs prospect lists were lagging behind on him, but that wasn't the view in front offices. And that's the same, like the Astros are a good example of this too. Ryan Clifford. He's a guy that, that you're not going to see featured very prominently on top 100s right now. Same thing for Spencer Strider, Michael Harris. These are guys that, that didn't get the publicity on the lists, but front offices had them ranked very highly. And that's why it's nearly impossible to figure out what an actual return would be. That's also because in baseball, you know, every team views every player differently. Everybody has a different idea of what they want to do and they have different fits and different different traits that they look for in players. So while let's say, let's just use Von Grissom, for example, uh, a team like Detroit would have a different value on Von Grissom than a team like Kansas City, even though both are bad teams and you would assume they both just want talent upgrades. They would both view that player differently. And that's not a shock. That's kind of how it goes. Um, that being said, it is going to be nearly impossible to actually predict what Alex Anthopoulos is going to do because it does seem that whenever you put a name into the ether, it almost scratches him that player off of the list for the Atlanta Braves. But there's really not a lot to choose from. So if Alex is going to make a move, I mean, there's really only four teams, I guess, that you could get players from. And this is what adding those extra wildcard spots really entails. It means there are more teams that believe they can get into the postseason. And I know from a fan perspective and from a podcaster perspective or a radio host perspective, look, we know this as, a, as actual fans. There are not all of those teams that grab the last wild card spot. They do not have realistic chances to win the World Series or anything like that. But you're never guaranteed the playoffs, even in this format. So it does kind of feel like 
for most teams, especially if you're a team that hasn't been to the postseason in a while, getting to the postseason is something that you want to do. And this is why, I, if you guys have, have listened to me over the past couple of years for 643, you know that I'm a big proponent of baseball putting in like a reverse draft for the non-playoff teams so that the teams that are actively trying to get better and actively trying to get into the postseason are rewarded with the higher draft picks. That does make it a little bit more boring around the trade deadline. Now, there have been some exciting moves already. Max Scherzer getting moved for Luis Angel Acuna, which, trust me, I'm not, I'm not very happy that the Mets have an Acuna. Uh, Luis Angel is, is really, really talented. Another example of a guy that, that prospect lists were very under on, that, that didn't have the correct number on him for a long time till the, till he just finally continued to prove it. But all the signs were there that he was not quite to the level of Ronald, but an exciting prospect who deserved to be viewed as a top 100 or really a top 50 guy all on his own. If he were maybe three inches taller, then he'd have a completely different profile, a completely different expectation. But he's about the same size as Ozzy Albies. Um, very similar profile to Ozzy when Ozzy was in the minors, actually. I know people are going to look and say he doesn't have 30 homer power like Ozzy. Well, Ozzy was not a 30 homer guy in the minors. As a matter of fact, he topped out at 15 in the minor leagues combined. And that was, that was his, his highest season total in the minors was 15 bombs. Uh, Luis Angel's kind of like that. He's big doubles guy right now, which I would imagine as he continues to refine his swing, we'll, we'll transfer at least some of those into, I, I think he'll be low to mid twenties homers at his peak. I think that's a pretty good number for him. But that's a good get for the Mets. The Braves, I mentioned Pierce Johnson. I mentioned Taylor Hearn. I mentioned Nicky Lopez. I think there are other moves for the Braves out there. Now, the good part of this is I don't think the Braves have to make any moves. I really don't. I think one of the things that we as fans get attached to is we want to see the we want to see a move. We want to be part of the action. We want to be part of the excitement. And also, we watch the team every single day. So you go through the ups, you go through the downs, and, and you kind of go through that realm. But you also get caught up in what's happening day to day, which makes you tend to forget a little bit about what's not there when you're focused on what's actually going on on the field. So like, for example, and I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best not to do the chip carry thing and do that. It's like making a trade without making a trade. But like, you're talking about a team that's 67 and 37, 11 games up in the division in a national league that quite frankly, I don't think there's another team in the national league that can hold a candle to the Braves. Some people might say the Dodgers, but I still think as, as well as they've done this year, and I'll give them credit, they've performed much better than I thought they would this year. I thought they would be significantly worse. And according to Walker Bueller, he thinks he's going to be back and ready to face pitchers on or ready to face hitters on August 8th. So there's a fair chance they'll get him back in September. Now, whether he'll be stretched out enough to actually go, whether his command will be there. We know it generally takes a while for Tom, for the command to come back after Tommy John. We'll see. But for the Dodgers, it's not even really the pitching staff, which isn't any great shakes. It's also the lineup. That's just not the same Dodgers that you're used to fearing. Like, yes, Freddie's incredible. He's the number. He's the runner-up for MVP behind Ronald Acuna. And Freddie, I think at this point, I think I would be more surprised if Freddie doesn't end up a Hall of Famer than if he does. Uh, Mookie Betts, who, while it's been a kind of a weird year for Mookie, he's still Mookie Betts. And he's, he's really found a power stroke on pull side balls this year. Will Smith is a very, very good offensive catcher. He sucks defensively, but he's a very good offensive catcher. Max Muncy can hit the ball out. But again, Max Muncy's not a guy that worries me. I think basically every team in baseball has some sort of Max Muncy type player now. 
Uh, Jason Hayward, I love that he's having a, a renewed season. I love that he's turned the clock back a little bit, and he seems to be having a great year, but it's not a guy that I worry about. Same for pretty much everybody else. I don't worry about many players on the Dodgers. I think the Braves are decidedly better even as is. But it's not just as is. Max Fried will be will be activated, uh, I want to say, um, I would assume for Chicago. Um, maybe, maybe this weekend, maybe Friday or Saturday, something like that. I think you'll see Max Fried back in this rotation. And that'll give you your solid four where you'll end up having some sort of I don't know if they're gonna roll with Spencer as the one and Max as the two. I think that's I think just knowing Snit, it's likely that you'll see Max as the one, Spencer as the two, and maybe be able to take just a little bit of pressure off of Spencer. Maybe even maybe even skip a start with him at some point just to kind of give him a break. I don't know. Um, but you'll see Max, you'll see Spencer, you'll see Elder, you'll see Charlie Morton, and that right there is is a very good playoff rotation especially when you factor in how good Charlie typically is in the postseason. And we'll see if Father Time has anything to say about that. But it also, you also have to bear in mind that you're going to get Kyle Wright back. Now the question is, is he going to come back at the level of being in the rotation? Or is he going to come back and kind of be a long guy out of the bullpen? I still don't know whether I would project him to be a mainstay in the rotation. I mean, if you're talking about a guy that's missed the entire season. He's obviously going to have to build up. Now, if, if he's going to get ready and start going on a rehab assignment or throwing to hitters, likely you're talking about needing, I would say, at least four starts. So I don't know where at in September he would come back. And if it's at the start of September, then you feel pretty good about it because you're giving him about a month to really kind of round into form. But if you're talking about, like, the middle of September when he comes back up to the bigs, I just I don't know – that you're going to look at that and, and feel like he's gotten himself into enough of a rhythm to where you want to trust him in a postseason rotation. That said, if he ends up being a long guy out of the bullpen, you can kind of de facto piggyback him with one of Charlie or Bryce Elder, kind of depending on, on how you feel about those two. I have more faith in Bryce Elder, and it's not that I don't like Charlie Morton. I still think Charlie is fine. Um, some recent struggles aside and, some inconsistencies aside, I think Charlie is a very good pitcher. Is he $20 million? No, not really. But then again, you know, you're paying Bryce Elder a few, few hundred thousand dollars, and Bryce Elder's pitched way better than that. Um, I mean, Spencer Strider's worth way more than he's getting paid right now. That's just kind of how it goes. I think I trust Elder more in the postseason because I, I know he had the two really bad starts. I know. Against Tampa Bay, it was really bad. I, I, I get it. I'm fully aware. I still think there's something to be said for a guy that can control the launch angle the way that he can. And I think that's that's the great equalizer when you're talking about pitching is if you can it's the same thing with Fromber Valdez in Houston. I know there's a lot of people that think Fromber is just this insane incredible arm and Fromber's really good, but it's not any of his stuff that makes him that good. It's the fact that he he keeps it all on the ground. He doesn't let you lift the ball against him. Like that's ultimately what makes him as good as he is. It's not like like I don't put Fromber and Freed in the same category. Now, you can make the argument that those are the two best lefties and or Carlos Rodon when he's healthy. Um, some people would say Julio Arias, but those people are wrong. You could say one of those three guys, and, and you could make a case for, for each and all for, for all three of them. Just on a pure stuff perspective, Max is the, is is better than Fromber, and so is Rodon. 
the big equalizer for Fromber is that he gets so many ground balls. It's the same thing for Elder. Think about when Kyle Hendricks was pitching really, really well in his heyday. It wasn't stuff. I mean, it wasn't, you know, strikeouts or being able to blow anything by anybody. It was about being able to locate in a position that hitters were going to have to swing, but they were going to hit the ball on the ground. I think there are places for that in the postseason. I think that that can be very important. Uh, and, and I think a guy like Bryce Elder, as long as he's not getting hammered and, and ripped apart all throughout September, I think that's a that's a great fourth, third or fourth man in your rotation. That's why Kyle writes that equalizer. So that would be why I could see them going after a starting pitcher if you don't want to trust both Elder and Morton. I could see them going after a rental. Eduardo Rodriguez from Detroit, he's going to be, I think he's the big fish. If the Braves get a, a bigger name, there are two big names that are reportedly available that I think would be crazy. Now, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is fantastic. It's going to be difficult to kind of know what you're going to do. He has an opt-out at the end of this year that more than likely he's going to exercise because he should. He's having a career year this year, and he'll probably get more than the $18 million that he's going to get next year if he goes on to the open market. But when you're trading for him, you're trading for him as if he's a rental, unless he decides to waive his opt-out. Now, he could. He could waive the opt-out. I don't know that he would or why he would, but if he does, then that opens up the, the possibility for a much better return for Detroit than if you're you know trading a rental. If he decides to keep the opt-out in, and, and to be frank here, Alex might prefer him to keep the opt-out clause in the contract. That way you trade for him as a rental, you add in a Jason Foley or an Alex Lang, and you can get another arm for the bullpen. Although, quick aside, I'm not as interested in, in bullpen help. I'm really not. I know that's the kind of the going rate. The Braves need another top shelf, another power arm in the bullpen. I don't necessarily think that's true. You just got A.J. Minter back. You're going to get Dylan Lee back at some point. You'll get Jesse Chavez back at some point. And then you're also going to get Nick Anderson back in September as well. And when you get all those guys back with the addition of Pierce Johnson, with Joe Jimenez, who has been outstanding over the past couple of months, the Braves bullpen is pretty full. As it is, you're probably not going to have room for Tonkin and Ben Heller. And they've been, they've been admirable, admirable pitchers this season. Uh, I, I, I'm, I don't see a big need for bullpen unless you can just go out there and get like an Alex Lang like a Jason Foley, somebody that that would be, you know, another setup guy that you could go and replace. But I just, I I don't, if the price is there for it, then okay. That's not something I think Alex is going to stretch, whether it's Josh Hader, whether it's David Bednar, like unless it's just part of you moving some other relievers in turn, I I don't see that really happening. The cost for anybody under control is going to be really, really high. And Alex, I, I don't think, one, I don't think he's got the prospects that are enticing enough to do that, or at least to win the bidding wars, and that's the point here, to win the bidding wars for guys like that. I also don't think he's necessarily going to want to thin out an already thin prospect system, even by my estimation, where I think the system is far better than it gets credit for. It's still not deep at all, and I don't think Alex is going to want to really thin that out any more than it already is. I do think that there, that Eduardo Rodriguez would be the fish. Now, Michael Lorenzen, he is another target that kind of screams Alex Anthopoulos. I'm not real big on Lorenzen. He's not really been good in the past. Uh, and I'm not I'm not big on making a lateral move in the rotation. And that's Now, if you get Lorenzen and decide that you're just already going to put him in the bullpen, then all right, cool, I can, I can roll with that. Same thing with Boston. Maybe if you decide to go Nick Pavetta, all right. 
Pavetta can't start, but if you let him come into the second inning, he's one of the most dominant pitchers, as we noticed. Fine, whatever. Um, I, I can get down with that. Whatever move Alex makes, I'm sure it's going to end up working. That just tends to be what happens with Alex Anthopoulos. But I think Eduardo Rodriguez would be the guy. Now, as far as what it would cost, it's really hard to figure. If you're talking about rentals, the best the best trade chips the Braves have are A.J. Smith-Shaver and Vaughn Grissom. The move this season for the trades, the move this deadline for teams trading has been to overpay, but with prospects that are blocked. Like Luis Angel Acuna for this version of Max Scherzer, that's an overpay. But Luis Angel was not going to be playing in Texas. Center field is Evan Carter's spot, and he's going to be ready very, very soon. They've got Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager for at least the next half decade. They've got Josh Young as a rookie who's entrenched at third base. They don't really have a spot to use Luis on hell, so that's one that they can they can do that trade. You've seen that with a few other deals where it's just players that are kind of blocked. So it might be an overpay. No, might be. It is an overpay. But it's an overpay that doesn't hurt you because it's a position that you've already got filled out. And to that end, that's why I think Vaughn is almost... Vaughn's almost a lock to get moved. And and don't get me don't get me wrong, I love Vaughn Grissom. I think he's going to be a very, very good major league player. I think his floor is Lourdes Gurriel. And I think that there's more upside there than maybe is to be expected. I think people take into account way too much his short big league stints, and they think that that's the player. I think that that's, that's wrong. Realize he's 22 years old. He's one of the younger players in AAA, and he's been fantastic in AAA. I think there's more power to unlock. I think the big key for him is obviously going to be, can he be a competent defender? Can he be a league average defender wherever you're putting him? And if you're playing him at second base, I think the answer is yes. Left field, I think eventually in time he could be. Shortstop, I don't think is going to be the case. Third base is tricky. I don't know that he has the consistent arm to play there, but I think... I. I, I think if he wants to be average defensively, he's athletic enough to do so. But the calling card for him is always going to be the bat. And even on that end, I wouldn't classify him as, as a power type of guy. So I would think second base is probably the best fit for him from an offensive perspective, too. He doesn't produce the exit velocities that you want to see. But again, 22 years old, has not grown into his man body yet. There, there's still muscle for him to put on. And that's going to be a big key for anybody that's trading for him. I do think that there are some other fun options out there that you could try to explore. Like according to Kylie McDaniel and Kylie's a very good source on these things. The giants are a team that's been checking in on Vaughn Grissom. That's a trickier one to figure out a fit because I don't think you're giving away Vaughn Grissom for nothing blocked or not blocked. He is a really good player and worst case scenario. He ends up being a DH in a couple of years. Fine. Whatever. But they do have some pieces that I could kind of get behind. I'm not a big fan of most of their bullpen, but like I said, I'm not really big into the bullpen. The Giants are hard to figure out because it's hard to tell what their real plans are for this season. Like, they're in second in the West. They're likely going to get into the postseason. Although, basically, everybody in the wild cards right now, like, they're all super bunched together. There's, like, the Braves, there's the Dodgers, and there's, like, ten teams that are all just kind of lumped in together. You've got the Giants, you've got the Diamondbacks, you've got the Padres who are still in it, you've got the Phillies, you've got the Marlins, you've got the Cubs, you've got the Brewers who are in the lead in the Central, the Reds. There, there are a lot of teams that are 
kind of all vying for two wild card spots. And it's kind of difficult to tell what San Francisco is going to do. Ideally, if I'm trading Von Grissom, if you could work somehow work a deal for Von Grissom centerpiece for Alex Cobb, that's a deal that I could really get behind. And I don't know if the Giants are going to do it. It depends on what they think their actual chances are. I mean, they, they seem to, to work wonders with pitching. They, they might have some guys they think are ready that they could kind of get that done with. I don't know. But Alex Cobb is really, really good. Maybe there's a reunion with Jock Peterson to be had. Maybe Austin Slater or Blake Sable. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. The main piece that I'd be looking for would be an Alex Cobb. But as much as I love Alex Wood, that's not a guy that I'm trading Vaughn Grissom for. They, there's not a dearth of guys. They're in almost the same spot the Braves are, where I don't think the Braves are going to trade Vaughn for another minor leaguer. I don't think if, if the idea is to get somebody that you can trust in the postseason, I don't think you're getting a guy who's you know had one year or less of service time at the big league level. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I did think that the Rodriguez deal, any potential Erod deal was going to be paramount to get it done quickly because I think Justin Verlander holds the keys to that. With the White Sox coming out and saying that they're going to make Dylan Cease and Luis Robert available or at least listening to offers on them, I think that helps Alex Anthopoulos quite a bit because that's another gigantic arm. Because if you can, if you have a chance to get Dylan Cease like the Astros and the Dodgers do, you should get Dylan Cease. Now, I, I think Verlander is going to end up being a Dodger. I do. I think that they have the ability to, especially if they can get Cohen to, to do what he did with Max Scherzer, pay down half of the deal, uh, and then ask for one of Emmett Sheehan or Gavin Stone, probably Gavin Stone, uh, ask for a guy like River Ryan, and then you know a couple of other prospects and, and as well, I think that could get that done. I think the Dodgers, it would be an overpay for the Dodgers in all likelihood. But Verlander's still a really good pitcher. The Dodgers, are, are while they have an incredible farm system, they're not really a team that that graduates their prospects. They usually use their prospects to acquire proven big leaguers. That's kind of their MO. Uh, and I think Verlander would be a good fit for them. It'd be nasty to try to go through Verlander and Kershaw in the postseason, but I think the Braves offense could handle it. But I think my my main worry was whichever team lost out on Verlander was going to immediately pivot to Eduardo Rodriguez because he would be the next best pitcher on the market. And the Astros can beat the Braves in any bidding war. Whether it's a rental market, whether it's controllable, the Astros can win that. But if Dylan Cease is available as well, that's where I think Alex can do his best work. Not to go get Dylan Cease as much as I would love that, but for the Astros or the Dodgers to then become enamored with Dylan Cease, Alex could swoop in on Erod, and now the Tigers, knowing that there's a, a, a better starting pitcher available on the market, they might be more inclined to take a little bit lesser of a deal than they would have held out for otherwise and facilitate that deal. The other name, and, and I have no idea if this is a guy that they really would move or what the package would be, but the Mariners are in a little bit of a sell mode. They are listening to Teoscar Hernandez on Teoscar Hernandez, who I would actually love. That's another power bat that I would bang on a bounce back here in Atlanta. Um, but I, I just I've wanted Teoscar for a while. He's a rental. That smacks of Jorge Soler to me. Um, he's a better defender than Eddie Rosario. That would allow Eddie and Marcel to platoon at DH, which I think is I think that's the move. I think that's the best thing that you can do as far as position players. That's the only upgrade you can find. But they're also reportedly willing to deal young pitching for young bats. 
And the Braves aren't going to go after Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. Like that, that's not what you're looking to do for this year. Now, Alex has, Alex is a guy that will look to the future. So maybe that's something he explores, but the guy that I would be interested in and the guy that I would pay the highest price for would be Logan Gilbert. The Mariners are as a team, they could absorb that move. They could absorb that move with basically who they have already. You know, their, their rotation is obviously built around Luis Castillo and George Kirby. Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, they're both really, really good. They have some really, really stout pitching prospects as well. And Logan Gilbert is their number three. I'm a big fan of Gilbert. Now, he's not the best pitcher on that staff. He's got a 3.83 this year with a 3.55 FIP, which is slightly worse than last year where he had a 3.2 ERA and a 3.46 FIP. His expected is better this year than last year. But he's essentially going to be a three-war pitcher like he was last year, or at least to get up close to. He's at two and a half right now. It's eight and three quarter. It's eight and a half to eight and three quarter strikeouts per nine, but doesn't walk a lot of guys. Usually doesn't give up tons of homers. Um, this year, 42% on the ground ball percentage, but typically in the 30s. It's a similar profile to Kyle Wright, and this is why I really, really like Logan Gilbert. He comes with at least another three years of control through arbitration. Now, this is one of those where this deal would hurt. You're talking about Von Grissom and A.J. Smith-Shaver and probably Ignacio Alvarez, too, and that's that's probably what you're looking at. Now, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't have to trade one, two, and three. You're not trading Hurston Waldrop, so fine there. But for sure, you would be sending Von Grissom, and I think for sure you'd be sending A.J. Smith-Shaver. And I think that they would love both of those guys. Smith-Shaver is a guy that they could plug into their rotation next year and have him and work with him the way that they've worked with their other young arms and see him blossom. I think he's probably got more upside than Logan Gilbert. But Gilbert's better right now, and Gilbert's controllable. And if he's basically Kyle Wright, like I think he is, having a rotation with two Kyle Wrights in it and a Spencer Strider and a Bryce Elder and a Max Reed for another year, it'd be hard to find a better rotation in baseball than that. And it's not going to be the sexiest rotation outside of Spencer. It's not going to be you know a million strikeouts, but it's going to be a devastating rotation to try to get through. Gilbert's a guy that looks like he's a, a you know six to seven inning minimum type of guy, saves your bullpen, similar to Kyle Wright, similar to Bryce Elder. I'd absolutely love it. If you could get Tay Oscar thrown in there, then awesome. Um, they also need second base help. Jose Caballero has not been great. He had a really good start, but hasn't been great. Colton Wong was a huge bust. That was a bad trade by them. Vaughn Grissom, I said his best position is second base. They need guys that, are, that can hit pretty consistently they've got pop in their lineup but they don't have good bat to ball guys and Vaughn is a great bat to ball guy with a great eye at the plate and a great walk rate to strikeout rate especially in the minors I think that is a perfect deal now is Vaughn going to be a 25 homer guy in Seattle not likely at all but I think he is a guy that would be tons of doubles and be able to get his share of pull side home runs, but but tons of doubles and extra base hits, tons of walks, and on base a lot. I think he would kind of play a big role in that lineup. I think if Alex wants to do something outside of the box or something that not a lot of people are thinking of, I think there could be traction there with Logan Gilbert. It's not really been discussed since the report that the Mariners were open to dealing young pitching, which is kind of what I look for for an Alex Anthopoulos piece. If everybody is talking about a player, chances are Alex isn't going to be in on him. I mean, another one you could look at, I guess you could look at Mitch Keller from the Pirates. If you can you know, pair up Keller and Bednar, 
certainly that would be a really good one to add in. Um, I just I don't know that one that the Pirates are going to really want to deal Keller unless you get a King's Ransom in return. Uh, and two, I don't think Alex is going to want to pay the price tag it would take to get Keller and Bednar in here. We'll see. We still have a little bit of time left. No updates for you as of yet. Just waiting to see what happens on the trade deadline. But that's going to do it for me today. I know it was a little bit of a longer episode. Um, but hopefully we'll have something fun to talk about. I'll be on air tomorrow, 6 to 8 p.m. Braves have a day game. So we'll be able to uh, discuss a little bit more and see what we're going at going forward. But that's my that's my main pieces. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, with Alex Lang or Jason Foley would be outstanding. Um, Michael Lorenzen with one of those guys in the bullpen would be less so, but would be understandable. Uh the Logan Gilbert one is the one that I really want. Um, maybe Alex Cobb, if you want to work something around Vaughn Grissom. I, there's going to be something that happens today. Probably not until the 11th hour. We probably won't find out anything about it until the deadline is already technically over. But hey, that's part of the fun of the deadline, right? We'll see that as we go forward. But hopefully the Braves and Spencer Strider can take out Shohei Otani and the Angels tonight. It'll be fun to watch at 720. That's going to do it for us here today. Thank you guys for checking in this episode of the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.